Hey Innovators, we're back with episode three. And on this episode, we have Dick Zhang, who's the CEO of Identified Technologies. They're a really awesome uh, drone mapping company. And with him, he's talking with Alana Diamond, who is the managing director of hardware at Innovation Work. She really runs our Alpha Gear program um, and is a great mentor to our company. So happy listening. Well, thank you both for coming to join us today. Sure. Uh, we're really excited to have uh, Dick Zhang, who's the founder and CEO, right, uh, mm-hmm. of uh, Identified Technologies with us on our episode this morning, and also Alana Diamond, who is the managing director of uh, the hardware and ma- uh, Alpha Lab gear here at Innovation Works. So is that the new title, by the way? It is. Yeah. Managing Director of Hardware and Alpha Lab Gear. Yes. And, and then most recently of uh, Riverfront. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. Oh, you're uh, a GP at Riverfront? I'm a managing What does that mean? How does that compare to a GP? It's, I'm, not a, I'm not invested. You're not personally invested, mm-hmm. but you're on the investment team. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Good to know. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of great news. Yeah, great news. Great yeah. news. A lot of great things. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that we like to start with on the episodes, um, we are called caffeinated innovation. So our first and most important question, of course, is what is your preferred form of caffeine? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, my preferred form of caffeine is probably coffee, black. 16 okay. ounce. So simple. Yeah. 16 ounce. 16 ounce from Coffee Tree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's the order. Okay, and Alana, what about you? I always get a grande skim, extra hot, no foam latte. And how long have you both been in that specific genre of coffee? Or caffeine, I should say. Uh, probably the last few years. I was, I went through like three three to five years ago I didn't drink much caffeine mm-hmm. and then before that at this office I was in in Manhattan they had one of the fanciest like espresso machines mm-hmm. I was probably drinking five espressos a day five to oh, seven wow. yeah it was a lot but it was just sitting there and it was delicious <laughs> it's free yeah it's not like I needed the caffeine it was just delightful yeah. to drink so I've been all over the place yeah, yeah. so I actually know the answer to okay. because about 15 years ago my youngest daughter for Mother's Day went to one of those Color Remind kinds of places and got a oh, fun. ceramic cup that looks like a Starbucks cup and had it marked like that. It's going to be 22 in a few yeah. years. So. Oh, wow. You know how long ago that was. 22. Yeah. And Jen, what about you? What's your favorite part? My of favorite is matcha. I get this. this is green I know, tea, right? I know. It's, it's no, it's green tea. But it, it, it does, no, the one that I do, it does. So I order it from... The um, this little shop in New York. Oh, wow. Oh, um, wow. It's so good. It's Very matcha specific. with turmeric in it. It's so good. It sounds good, actually. And it's I keep it at my desk. It's like my 2 p.m. pick me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in China, and I bought... It was like this big of a tiny little tub of matcha, mm-hmm. but like in U.S. dollars, it was like $60 it's or so something. Expensive. I was, but it's so It delicious. was totally an impulse buy because I just had like green tea candy or something <laughs> but I literally yes. have no idea how to consume this matcha powder just hot water that's it just try hot water some people do milk yeah. hot milk I just like hot water fascinating yeah well I've been missing out this mm-hmm. whole time mm-hmm. okay good to know Pam what is yours 
So I am not a coffee drinker. I'm a tea drinker. I just never took to the taste of coffee. Uh, Can't blame you. I, I, yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't get on board. So Earl Grey tea is my favorite, and I enjoy finding different iterations of Earl Grey. So uh, I really I really enjoy the Earl Grey tea at Commonplace, mm. which you know there's a few locations around the city. Uh, and when I travel, I try to find some different forms of Earl Grey that I can mm-hmm. bring back and loosely mm-hmm. for you know whatever I can whatever's out there. Mm-hmm. So. That's generally my, my go-to. I should do that. Morning. Drink more tea than coffee. Yeah. And yeah. we all for things. We'd love to officially start by sure. learning more about, you know, how you came to find your company and, uh, you know, where you are today and, and what you're hoping for next. Sure. I was telling this story to somebody the other day. They were like, how the hell did you end up in Pittsburgh? <laughs> um, yeah. It, uh, so the business today, um, Identified Technologies, is all about helping uh, construction companies, the construction workflow tends to be a very opaque process. Um, so a lot of rework, mistakes, um, waste in the process. And uh, we help that process, how it's managed, how it's executed, um, with live data captured on the job site from different sensors, whether it's drones, GPS, IoT, things like that. Uh, and then there's you know software to help consume all this information. Um, so that's, that's the business today. Uh, it, was not at all related to this when I came to mm. gear. Uh, yeah, so I'm originally from like New York, Philly area. Um, I was in Philly at the time. I heard of Alpha Lab Gear through one of the Ben Franklin um, partner funds. And at the time, we were all about uh, helping soldiers in the military detect ordinances out in the field ahead yeah. of them with mm. drones. Uh, and for some reason, uh, Alana and the the Alpha Lab Gear team thought there was something compelling here, and so we were extended the invitation to come participate in Gear. Okay. Yeah. And so, Alana, what was what was so compelling? Tell us more. Definitely not the idea. In fact, far from the idea. Yeah. In the first meeting where he pitched the idea, we were already saying, "Well, you know, are you open to applying mm. this technology in other realms?" Because we had done a little due diligence, and it looked like the military was a horrible away. place to go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, you know, because it takes a long time, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of testing and so on. And so if there are other applications that are commercial where you can get it out and you're not, um, you're not worried about people risking their lives, yeah. um, it's not a safety application, those can be quicker and quick win and let you test your technology in the market. But Dick was a really compelling um, founder, and he had really compelling technology from the Grasp Lab mm-hmm. at UPenn. Mm-hmm. And so we did test this idea with him in the first interview. <laughs> you know, this is interesting technology. How tied to this one market are you? And Dick, like a good founder, was, you know, it's all about market validation. Yeah. If there's another market that would be yeah. a better yeah. first market, we'd be open to it. That's great. Very cool. Yeah. So... So how did you come to want to do this in the first place? The startup, the, the you know, being the well, entrepreneur. Um, give me one second. Let me think about that answer. No, it's okay. So there was no defining moment mm-hmm. where I was like to myself, oh, I must do this startup thing. And actually, in the summer leading up to coming out to gear, mm-hmm. many of my mentors and advisors were like, Dick, you should just go take a job on Wall Street. Like, mm-hmm. take the return offer that you have. 
do the good work there. And from there, if you want to pursue entrepreneurship, you can pursue entrepreneurship. Uh, but I think the one thing that motivated me was I had a, my uh, boss at the time um, in New York. He had developed this set of technologies. He had found commercial customers for it. They wanted his product, wanted to buy it. He could have had a company to, to grow. Uh, and then he took a you know took a corporate job at one of the most corporate of corporate companies, which I won't name here. But yeah, exactly. Just big company, right? Yeah. And then, and then uh, yeah, when I started working for him, uh, he had been there 20, 25 years, and told me the story. I was like, why don't you leave and go do this? And he says, Dick, I've gotten really too comfortable where I am, and. Um, change is hard at uh, at this day and stage of my life. So, hmm. uh, yeah, that was if there was any one motivating thing, that was probably it. His name okay. was Chris. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. So it's really interesting that you say that because that's something we tell entrepreneurs when we talk to folks at universities or people who ask, "Is entrepreneurship for me?" Hmm. And we do say to folks who are just leaving, "It is really hard to go back yeah. once you've gotten yeah. used to a certain." Yeah salary and lifestyle and yeah. you have a lot of obligations it's hard to go back and that the time to do it is exactly yeah. when you did it yeah when that's easier mm. to handle so i can yes to all of that mm -hmm. and then the the other point to add on is when you go work for another organization a lot of times the th the idea of uncertainty becomes super uncomfortable mm. because you show up to do a job that is scoped out for you in this box that, and, and it's great, and people do yeah. really well in these careers where that's that's how they are trained to operate. Uh, but in this world, it's all uncertainty. Like I just had a meeting this morning where I'm I'm you know explaining to the team these new series of products and services that we're offering, and they're asking me all these questions about you know the details and intricacies about of you know of actually delivering on their services. I'm like guys, I have, I have no idea. I know these two big hypotheses that we're going to prove. Once we prove all that, we'll figure everything else out, and the details will, will come after that. And they were so uncomfortable. Mm. And see, that I think is what's really interesting about you, Dick, because when you see a lot of high achieving people who've been very successful in many fields, for example, even you were like a concert pianist at age 12 yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah. Um, they get comfortable with succeeding. Mm -hmm. And the idea of doing something where failure's the norm mm -hmm. and it's even okay, you just pick yourself up and mm -hmm. keep going, becomes yep. less comfortable. Very and that's why I think yeah. you see a lot of folks who come from unusual backgrounds more comfortable with that idea yeah. Yeah. of, you know, not everything's scoped out for me. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about a success uh, within the last few years with, you know, your own company and how you've really taken that kind of uncertainty as you talked about and turned it into something really successful? Well, I think it starts even when we came to gear. Okay. Um, Alana says we were very compelling in our presentation. Uh, I worked very hard to make this huge, uh, I don't know, facade if that's the right word. It looked very compelling from the outside, but I had no actual market validation. I had no real application. I had no actual product, no actual technology. It just, it all sort of came together and sounded kind of compelling on 10 slides. Um, so that uncertainty um, pretty quickly led to the realization that this market, this customer, there's no future here. So that was while not your classic definition of success was quite an important um, transition. Uh, and then the other one uh, happened right after that is, okay, where do we go with this? Uh, and then that's how, you know, I'm basically talking to everybody and anybody that'll listen at this point. Um, 
and got exposed to a construction superintendent for a local contractor here in Pittsburgh. Uh, and you know, he was one of a hundred people that I was talking to trying to get some validation and then went on site, did this demo with him. And yeah, he was like, we must have this. When can I have you on site for the first time? And uh, so that uncertainty led to quite a nice success with our first customer and first contract. Mm, that's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. have, you, have you had any failures and ha how have you worked through them? Um, tons of failures. I am absolutely certain. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also realizing about my personality that I take failure and just like literally wipe it from my memory. Mm. I, I, seriously, you ask me to like try and draw up some of these failures, I can't remember a single one. I'm sure they've happened. I yeah. know they've happened. But all the bad stuff, you just have to like wipe out. And as soon as something goes wrong, you have to ask yourself, okay, what is the next thing I need to accomplish? Mm. What are the six steps I need to take to get there? And we literally have no time to worry, no time to fret, no time to feel sad, no time to feel angry. I got to start with step one and get going. Mm. Yeah. So Alana's here shaking her head. Alana, do you, so is this something that you coach companies to do is like, how do you get past failure and what does that look like? So yes, we try to coach companies, but honestly, that is a personality mm. It's very much, I think, an entrepreneurial yeah. personality yeah. that failure's okay with them. They're, mm -hmm. they're all right with not uh, everything going right mm -hmm. and they take exactly the attitude that Dick said, which is, okay, what did I learn from this? What can I do next? Yeah. Sometimes it's like, this away and start over but sometimes mm -hmm. it's okay here's where the problem was let's fix it yep. and and I do think that's that's something we look for in an entrepreneur and that's something that Dick clearly has yeah. even just when you talk to him for half an hour yeah. you know that he's got that yeah. the other big one is disconnecting I have found that it's difficult to survive in this world unless you can disconnect mm. yeah. how do you disconnect um, I don't know. For me, it's just like a conscious. All right, I gotta, I gotta put it down. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna cook myself a nice dinner. Watch an episode of Breaking Bad and go to bed. <laughs> like, because I have friends, like, I have friends that, you know, when something goes even like remotely wrong, they get all worked up in their head mm -hmm. and they can't stop thinking about it. And they carry it everywhere with them. You can see it. You can feel it. You can hear it on their shoulders. Uh, and like, it's completely debilitating. Can't do anything else. In this life, there's just so much going wrong. You, you can't afford to do that. Yeah. You will literally destroy yourself or run yourself into the ground if you can't, can't disconnect from it and, and move on. So yeah. it sounds like you're creating for yourself some good work-life balance. Are you doing the same thing for your team and for the culture within the company? I think so. It, um, so it's pretty interesting. I also just observed this the other day. Well... One, broadly, when talking about work-life balance, I like to think that we have decent work-life balance. Of course, in this, in this game, things come up Thursday night, you know, 11 p.m., mm. your whole product goes down. And sometimes you just have to, like, address these things off hours. Uh, generally speaking, I like to think we have good work-life balance. The more recent trend is, so in the first two years of the business, I put on, like, 70-something pounds. It was, like, remarkable how fast I gained the weight. Mm. Um, and I've got the playbook down if any of you guys are looking to gain weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then the next two years of the business, I went and lost like 110 pounds. I've got that playbook also down if you need that one. But, um, uh, you know, I didn't realize this, but in the time that I was gaining weight, uh, a few of the people on our team also 
leading unhealthy lifestyles, mm. gaining weight, not exercising. And then in the next two years when I was losing weight, uh, like four people on our team have lost over 40 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Three of them over 45. Wow. Yeah. So it does sound like you're really leading by example. Yeah. And, and yeah. To you have to. culture yeah. internally of you got to be healthy and then your product and the output yeah. will be healthy as well. Yeah. And actually the learning lesson for me was, uh, so I have this CEO coach, I guess you call him, I work with. Um, uh, he's very qualified, has built many multi-hundred million dollar businesses. Um, and we talk once every two weeks by Skype. And so like one time a year and a half, two years ago, I log on to Skype. And this guy, Ivan, logs on and he sees me. We didn't say anything else. He goes, Dick, you look terrible. It's I don't even need to ask questions. I know it's affecting your work. I know it's affecting mm. your, your production and your, in your role. Uh, you ought to get healthy because you need a physically strong body to have even a chance at a strong mind, mm. to have even a chance at doing your job successfully. So that's where it all began. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he still in your life? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, he, we work because he's blunt. Similarly, that's why Alana and I work is because she's pretty direct too. Yep. So Alana, we actually I skipped over this, and so I apologize to our listeners. We really want to learn also about your background and what you brought, what you bring to Innovation Works, and you know what you really bring as an expert to Alphalab Gear and to the hardware space overall. Uh, so if we can jump back for our listeners and, and learn a little bit more about you as well, that'd be great. Okay, sure. So um, I spent, before I came to Huffland Gear, I spent about 15 years running a consumer electronics accessory business. Uh, and I met the folks at Innovation Works because some of our engineers had an idea for a security product that was commercial. All of our products were consumer. And we sold them to, manufactured them in Asia mostly, some in the US, and we sold them to people like Walmart and Target and Best Buy. So we weren't doing 24-7 maintenance, we weren't selling to commercial accounts, and these engineers had this awesome idea for a safety product that was just a totally different market. So one of our brands was First Alert, Mm -hmm. uh, emergency alerting products, and this came out of that work. And so um, we decided it's a great idea, it's a great market, but we really need to spin it out into a separate company because it requires all different uh, support. And the folks at Innovation Works were the first money in that let us do that. Yeah. So we hired a CEO and we raised some funding and we spun the company out. And then um, in one year's time, we sold both companies my original company, SEMA Products, and this other company, MetaSecure. And so Jim Jen, who's uh, the COO of Innovation Works at the time, he was running Alpha Lab. Jim Jen is the COO of Innovation Works. <laughs> he is. God damn, good for Jim Jen. <laughs> wow, that's news. That's recent, right? Mm-hmm. Good for him. So um, he said, you, got, you must have all this extra time come mentor for Alpha Lab because we're considering doing the same kind of program, um, accelerated program that we do for software companies for physical product companies. Mm. And so um, that's how I got involved, and we um, we do we did what we tell our startups to do, which is we had a minimum viable product for a physical product accelerator. It was our software accelerator. Yeah. So we just accepted two companies yeah. into mm-hmm. Avlab, and I mentored them. And at the end, we talked about what worked, what didn't work, what we thought we could do differently for physical product companies, mm. and that's how we launched Avlab Gear. And from there, just recently, um, I was invited to also um, be the managing director of hardware uh, 
for the seed fund as well. And so here I am. Yeah. Wow. Lots of big changes. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Good for Jim. Yeah. And That's without great. that year, we're celebrating, what, five years this year, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Five years. Exciting. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now we're on to something great and big coming next. So it's, it's, it's good with all these changes we're having. So it's yeah. I actually couldn't believe it. I said something to Jim about, you know, three years ago when we did this. Three years ago, a lot of It's been six years since we started talking about it and five yeah. years since we launched. Wow. So awesome. Damn. Yeah. And Alpha Lab's been around for ten years. Yeah. It's a, bit, it's a big year mm-hmm. for anniversaries. Yep. IW 20. 20. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So Damn. jumping a, a little bit more onto this idea of, you know, you, with Alpha Lab Gear, you, for example, you tested the, with two companies within Alpha Lab, and then based on the successes and the lessons learned, you were able to iterate something much larger, and Alpha Lab Gear was born. So l- bringing it back to Identify, let's talk a little bit more about how, within the initial idea, how you then saw and, and coached Dick and his team through kind of that evolution of starting here and then really growing it out. So Dick was in the first class of Alphabet Gear, the first group of companies, right? Yeah. And and that group of companies has done pretty well as a group. Yeah. Um, Statistically, I think beat the average. Oh yeah, yeah. guaranteed. Quite, quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. So almost all of them are still in business. Yeah, exactly. So and the ones that aren't have started another business. Exactly. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And so um, we, the first time I met Dick, I actually remember I was sitting at Alpha Lab and we called you on the phone. <laughs> and we chatted with you, and then we invited him in for an interview. And like I said, we were impressed with Dick, and we were impressed with the technology from the GRASP team and the lab there at the University of Pennsylvania, and thought that there was uh, there was something in there. Mm-hmm. And Dick joined the group, and I think that the entire team really coalesced around what is the first best market for this technology. Because sometimes there can be a huge market out there, but it's something that's going to take a lot of time or that has high risk or for a number of other reasons isn't your first best market. Mm. And so I think that one of the first things we really focused on is what is a market where they will be, where they really have a pain point that even if his product isn't working perfectly right now, mm-hmm. they won't care because it's so much better than mm-hmm. what else is out there. Yeah. And it won't be high risk for them because the alternative is basically nothing mm-hmm. or something really expensive like flying a helicopter mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. And um, identifying markets like that that would really let Dick put his product out there, get customer feedback, figure out what works and what doesn't work, and then iterate around that and get some early success that he can use to sell other customers. And I think that's what we really focused on. And um, I've heard you tell this story before, too, about a third of the way in where we said, you get it out of oh, the yeah. customer's hand. Yeah. Enough yeah. of this. Yeah. <laughs> that was the kick in the butt moment. So, like, similar <laughs> yeah. to how Ivan kicked my butt. Um, yeah, we're probably halfway into this program. I've been dilly-dallying around uh, doing what they call market validation or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then I was, I was like, Alana and Josh, what do I need to do for mm-hmm. this to be a success? And she was like, it's pretty simple. You have to go just get a freaking customer. Like, I don't know why you haven't already gotten the customers. So go get some customers. Uh, yeah, so that's that's so when I went out. Who and was the first customer? It was Mascaro Construction. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mascaro Construction was building a commercial facility right by the airport, actually, uh, out on 376. Yeah. Very yep. cool. And so was that your first job? So I know initially you both said earlier your thought at first was the military, and you decided based on conversations and, and the process within gear that you were going to shift to another industry. Was the construction company that next shift or jump? Or 
and then is that still part of something that you're yeah, it was the next, yeah. I would say, major shift or jump. Okay. Uh, it was the first real direction because we had a customer that was realizing some kind of value, willing to pay for it. It fit a lot of these criteria, like it's not you know life and death. It's not you know they can pay quickly, and not like the military, and you know it fit it fit a couple of like basic questions that you ask. Um, and they wrote us a check like within that first week. So I was like, all right, we're gonna do this. And so that, yeah, that's that's basically where our company is now. We just took that and went deeper into the went deeper into the industry. That's great. Yeah. So I think a, a big question is why Pittsburgh? Why why stay here? You had connections in other places. Uh, why stay here and build your company here? Yeah, I've had that question asked a lot. Um, there is no one defining, compelling answer. Mm-hmm. I just I just recall. Um, I recall thinking to myself after they extended the offer, like, wow, there's a lot of reasons to be in Pittsburgh. Because a lot of people think, why go to, like, aren't mm-hmm. you worried? You don't know anybody there. I'm sitting here thinking, like, wow, there's like six or seven pretty good reasons to go to Pittsburgh. Might as well do it. Uh, and so that's, that's when I came to Pittsburgh. And uh, yeah, never looked back. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great place. I just bought a house here. I'm like, really? Oh, proper, proper yinzer now. Well, it sounds like it's an exciting time for you. I mean, good things happening with the business, good things happening in your personal life. It's, you know, house, business, it's great. Yeah, what else can you ask for, right? Working on the girl next. We'll get there. I got a dog. I got a dog, too. Oh, my God. She has been so much fun. So last year, I told myself, um, like, you know, I've proven I can lose weight really quickly. Can I live a lifestyle that will sustain this kind of health? And uh, then it occurred to me, like, a lab literally needs to be exercised mm. every day or they're going to chew your house inside out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's been awesome. I, um, so one of my neighbor or one of our sales reps, his neighbor just had 10 puppies. Uh, yeah, oh. gorgeous yellow and black oh, lab. Wow. Yeah, it was adorable. And um, again there, I show up. I, you know, I told my girlfriend. I told a couple of friends. I told my roommate at the time, look, mm. I'm going to check out these dogs. And... Um, I get there, this one puppy, her name's Luna now, like, Aww. just walks up to me, and, like, everybody else is freaking, like, like, demon dogs, destroying everything in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but this, yeah, but this one, this one Luna is, like, really well-behaved and just sits next to me and wants Aww. to play. I was like, you are in. <laughs> yeah, it was meant to be. And I called all these people. I was like, guys, I'm thinking about getting this dog. Everybody's like, no, Dick, this reason, that reason, that reason. Yeah. I was like, no, no, there's no, we just get the dog. Wow. Thank God I did. We go running two, three times a week. She's, yeah, in great shape. She keeps me in great shape. It's a good good deal between the two of us. That's wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Jen also has a dog and not a pet person. She'll get one. You know, maybe. One day. She just do it. They bring lots of joy. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Well, so one thing that we, you know, really like to ask uh, of our guests is how can our listeners follow along uh, on social media? So can you tell us a little bit about your presence on Twitter and Facebook and what your website is, and we'll make sure to also... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so generally, so our marketing guy, Barry, keeps up with um, the Twitters, for sure. Uh, uh, Facebook, I think, would be the other big one, and it's all the same um, identified tech um, handle. Yeah. Um, i trying to think if he follows or is on any other platforms. 
Uh, we do a lot of stuff on YouTube, but that's usually more for like marketing mm. and, and lead generation. So yeah, I'd say Twitter and Facebook, and then I personally just started Instagramming. Ooh. Oh my god, Insta is so much fun. Lots of photos yeah. of your dog. Yo, yeah, tons, <laughs> tons. Yeah. That's how I knew about his dog. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, that'd be the best way to follow the business. Okay. Or my dog Luna. <laughs> <laughs> You should you should uh, incorporate Luna into some of your marketing and onto your website. We have. Oh, okay. Yeah, Barry found the click rate when the email says something like "Even Luna loves a drone solution" or something. Barry, the click rates are astronomical. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yep. So one question that we usually ask too, although you gave us a ton of great advice for entrepreneurs, is. What is your advice to an entrepreneur who's just starting out? If they're listening to our podcast, um, what would you tell them they need to do or read or you know any of that? So the the one I think overarching piece of advice, and it's very front and center in my mind right now because it, it this was something that like slipped and is now back front and center in my mind. Um, this one piece of advice I would give is you have to be extremely customer obsessive. Literally nothing else matters mm. if your customer is not realizing value from your existence and whatever product's existence. Once you know that there's value being realized, okay, then we can figure out everything else, the sales, the marketing, the product development, engineering. All that, in my head, is relatively speaking easy mm-hmm. compared to what's commonly referred to as product market fit and ensuring your customers are realizing mm. value. So that's a big one. And then the second one for like um, just entrepreneurs as a, as a people doing things is um, uh, it's surprisingly lonely. Mm. And so, however it is, make sure you have some avenue to have company in your life. It's really lonely. Because when bad news th- happens, and it does every mm. day, you can't tell your team, you can't tell your investors, you can't tell your... Mm. Some, most even your advisors, a lot of things you can't tell. You can't tell your, your accelerator, you, you know, um, MDs or anything like that. So, it's lonely. Yeah. So, just just... Be aware of it and, and be ready to work with it. That's important. Yeah. yeah. That's really great advice. Yeah. Alana, what about you? What's your advice? Well, I guess this kind of plays off of what uh, Dick was saying. Reed Hoffman said something that I really like, which is um, to fall in love with the problem, not your solution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which means that um, when you're getting out there and asking your customers what they like and doing that product market fit and market validation, um, not to fall in love with your beautiful baby solution, oh. but to really focus on what the problem is and what the best solution to that problem mm-hmm. is. And there are many, many stories of successful companies that thought the solution was one thing, that the market was one thing, and when they started doing the research, found out that they had to build a totally different kind of solution. Yeah. And they were very successful at it, mm-hmm. um, doing that by so. Oh. And I do agree with you um, also on your second point about it being lonely. And what I say to folks, is if any successful entrepreneur tells you that there was never a day that they wouldn't have just given away their company for free, yep. they're not telling you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's all this people say, oh, I'm killing it, everything's going mm. really yeah. well. But the real fact is everybody has those no. downs. And just to know that you're not alone, that everybody's successful out there that looks like everything's 
going great, yep. had, had those moments, mm. is really helpful. I used to preach this a lot when we were still doing like Alpha Lab gear promo, and they would always ask me in these things, like, what's the most valuable thing of gear? Hands down, the most valuable thing is there are 10 other founders in 10 other garages, all struggling with the same crap mm. that you're struggling with, all on a Friday night at you know 11 p.m., all have some big demo going on the next Monday morning, mm-hmm. all are freaking out. And so to be around it, one, was, was big, and then also having other founders to help you uh, because you believe it happened. You know, it's Wednesday night. It's, you know, way past dinner time, way mm-hmm. past bedtime, and people are just dropping what they're doing to help you get it done for the demo tomorrow. That was, that was incredible to That's be a awesome. part of. Yeah. That's and those are the people you can tell. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah, they're the only people you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being so candid. Yeah. Sure. It's helpful. There's no time for anything else. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the potential entrepreneurs out there, it's really yeah. good to hear the, yeah. the good advice. Uh, that both, you know, could be positive or negative at some point. So yep. that's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. And sure. thanks for joining us. And Alana, thank you for your time as well. This has uh, been great. Well, thank yeah. you both for having us. Great. What a great episode that was. I, I had a lot of fun listening and talking with both Dick and Alana when we recorded this episode. You know, what I particularly found most compelling was... The story that Dick shared about how they pivoted identified technologies from both the initial idea and then into how they executed initially through Alpha Lab Gear and now today. So until next time, listeners, enjoy that caffeine as you innovate something great. Pam and Jen, signing off. Caffeinated Innovation is a product of InnovationWorks, Inc., a Ben Franklin technology partner. Our theme music is by a Startable Pittsburgh alum, Ethan Ziegler, and it's called Bring the Soul. For more episodes, you can find us at innovationworks.org slash caffeinated innovation.
Caffeinated Innovation is a product of Innovation Works Inc., a Ben Franklin technology partner. Our theme music is by a startable Pittsburgh alum, Ethan Ziegler, and it's called Bring the Soul. For more episodes, you can find us at innovationworks.org slash caffeinatedinnovation.